kids. The kids. Sorry about that. How is everybody this morning? Great. Um, not used to doing this. I have two things I want to say before I get started. Um, my mother, I told my mother is eight or nine years old and I take care of her, my disabled sister. And I told her I was going to uh, preach this morning. And she said, well, why didn't you tell me? I said, well, I told you. And uh, she said, where? I said, it's Destiny Bible Church on 903. And Mama said, um, I don't know of no Destiny Bible Church on 903. And I said, well, I carried you there once. And uh, she said, um, is that a black church? <laughs> I said, uh, well, Mama, I said, it's mixed. She said, uh, do they know you part Indian? I said, Mom, I don't think they care. Uh, they know my heart, and I know their heart, and they receive me, and I receive them, and it really doesn't matter. You should have seen the eyes on her, like sitting at Portier. Guess who's coming home for dinner? So I went, wow, Mom. So she, anyway, she's uh, And the second thing is um, I wanted to ask the church for forgiveness. I once offended a very precious lady in this church. And with some words that came out of my mouth, and they shouldn't have. And I had made a promise to a husband, and I had asked for forgiveness from some of her friends, that I want to ask the church for forgiveness. It's something I had never said before, and I would never say it again. It showed that we're not perfect. We still got sin in us. We may think we are, but we're not. And when we make mistakes... We need to go back and correct that publicly because we're in a time where times where the truth doesn't come by, where forgiveness and mercy is very, very rare. So, and once we forgive, we shall be forgiven. So I ask the church, would you all forgive me? Thank you. Thank you. Amen. I can begin now. And, of course, you want to know what I said, nacho cheese, NYB, nacho business. There's a word that's been in my heart for a while, and it was very difficult uh, for me to bring it because I had never preached on this word before. And before I started, Father, in the precious name of Jesus, I ask you to anoint this word that's coming forth. I don't have the ability to bring it. I don't have the ability to bring the anointing in your precious love. I thank you, God. I need you. I call upon you. You said you will show me great and mighty works. We thank you for your works this morning. We thank you for your strength. You've been able to bless my body and get us up this morning. And we're alive and well. Father, we thank you. Let your words be received this morning by the church. Let them fall on that, that good ground that it may produce fruit. We thank you, Holy Spirit, for your anointing that will saturate us today. In the name of Jesus, we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. I get a little warm, so y'all excuse me. I'm going to be coming out of 2 Corinthians 4 and 7. That's where we will be starting. We have this treasure in earthen vessels. What is this treasure? 
that the excellency of power may be of God and not of us. We're pressed on every side, yet not distressed. Perplexed, bewildered, but not confused. Perplexed, but we're not in stressed out. We're cast down, but not destroyed. And we're always bearing about in the body the dying of our Lord Jesus Christ, that the life of Jesus may be made manifest in our mortal flesh. Well, really, what does all that mean? The book of Second Corinthians was written in A.D. 55. And according to my note, the book First Corinthians was written from Ephesus to give you a little background before Pentecost. And the second Corinthians were written later that year on the onset of the winter. So I'm thinking second Corinthians was preached after the Pentecost. So Paul had a greater understanding of the manifestations of God and his power because he had seen him, walked with him, known him, and he had also seen him alive after his resurrection. What a greater acknowledgement of the word of God than that. The purpose in 2 Corinthians, the 2 Corinthians church had been infiltrated by false teachers who were challenging Paul's personal integrity and his authority as apostle. That's how the devil comes in. They usually accuse you of something. Understand when somebody accuses you of something, it's already in them. So don't let that catch you off guard if somebody brings a charge against you. Because out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth speaks. So really, when you're accused, you want to know, where did it come from? Satan is accuser. Because they said he didn't have the authority to be apostle because he had changed his itinerary. With the results, he would now pay the Corinthians one long visit instead of two short visits. These adversaries were asserting that his word was not to be trusted. Paul had a very difficult time in Corinthians. They were also saying that he was not a genuine apostle and that he was putting into his own money, own pocket, the money they had been raising for over a year. Paul asked the Corinthians to consider his personal life in the midst he was always honorable and that his life-changing message of salvation was true. That was more convinced than Paul now because he had seen Jesus resurrected. He urged them to prepare for the impending visit by completing the collection that he had started a year and by dealing with troublemakers in the midst. Paul was strict. Paul was a tough guy. He didn't put up with no mess. And if they really knew who Paul was, Saul, before he became Paul, they wouldn't be messing with this man. He warned them that he means what he write. Thank you, Lord, for the transformation of Saul to Paul. Second Corinthians has a, a lot of good things in it. And I'm only going to speak about two things. Seeing the glory of God with unveiled faces. And we have these treasures in earthen vessels. As one translation says, treasures in clay jars. I hope to explain how do we get to this point where God has put this in us. And it's in us all, not in some, if you believe in righteousness and believe in God. The definition of treasures coming from the Greek is thesauros, I hope I'm close, which means a deposit, accumulated wealth, money, jewels, or any person or things considered valuable. But the meaning I love about treasure is said 
to save or store for future use. Drop that in your spirit. To save or store up for future use. So if we have these treasures in earthen vessels, God has deposited something in us that He hoped to later withdraw from. But how do we get that from being servants in the Old Testament to be a place stored for treasures? I want to do a little flashback to bring us up to 2 Corinthians 4.7. Uh the tabernacle in the Old Testament, the progression of the church, the tabernacle represents God's temporary residence. Temporary residence with the Israelites. Later on, the temple would be substituted for tabernacle. Still, that was a temporary residence where the Lord came in. Thus, God indicated that He would later abide permanently with His people, the church. So the progression went from the tabernacle to the temple to the church. We're now in the gospel age, and we will be going to the messianic age, but we came out of the Old Testament age. Is that all right? Now, Matthew 16, 18, let me know if I have to clear something up. I'm just as nervous. Jesus asked a question, getting up to 2 Corinthians, who do people say I am? Then he asked the disciples, who do people say I am? Paul said, of course, you're the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said, yeah, I, I tell you, Peter, that upon this rock, not just you, Peter, translated petrol, which means rock, but it's not on the, just your name, rock. Upon this church, upon your confession, I'll build my church, and the gates of hells or Hades shall not overcome it. Will world overcome us every church? Because God is with us. And he has already said, I shall build my church and the gates of hell shall not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom. So whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth is loose in heaven. Now, I'd rather have the keys of heaven than to have the keys to heaven. Because if you got the keys of something, you got all of them. Instead of one key to unlock. Give me the keys of heaven. That means I got access to everything at my arsenal. Does that make any sense? This is just my thinking. So he said, I'll give you the keys of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth, loose in heaven. Continue to look at the authority he keeps giving to the church as a transition from the, the tabernacle and the temple. For more than 16 centuries... Israel had waited and prayed upon the coming of the, the Messiah's kingdom to exalt them and to bless the world. But the announcement that the kingdom was at hand was a good message or a gospel. But not enough Jews were in condition of the hearts to be Israelites indeed, worthy to share in Jesus' glorious service in the long, great, long-promised kingdom. He was in this world, and though the world was made by him, but the world did not recognize him. Still was in this progression from the old to the new. He came into his own, that was his own, but they did not receive him. Yet to all who received him today, to them who believe in his name, he gave them the right, the power, the liberty, and the privilege to become the children of God. Children not born of natural descent, not of human decision or husband's or wife wills, but of God. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. We have seen this glory. The glory is the only one who came from the Father, 
full of grace and truth. This was effected at Pentecost. By the begetting of the Holy Spirit, the passing from under the house of servants under Moses to the house of sons under the headship of Jesus Christ. That is the big transition that we have coming from the Old Testament. So we are now sons and daughters and no more servants under Moses because Jesus is the head of the church. Amen? Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 13, please. I like to have understanding, and I want everybody to understand. And I'll ask them, you understand? I want you to understand. Doing part of this transitioning to the new temple, to the New Testament, and to part of the setting up for this treasure in earth and vessels. This is what I'm hoping to establish. When we think of a veil covering faces, who do we think about? Moses. Well, this, what I'm about to demonstrate, showing the transitioning from the covered veil, the veil covering Moses' face, to the unopened faces being unveiled of the church. It says here in chapter, well, I thought I would say, in chapter 3, the, the glory of the new covenant. Now, verse 7, if the ministry that brought death, which was engraved in letters on stone, which was the Old Testament, came with glory, so that the Israelite could not steadily look at the face of Moses because of his glory, fading though it was, I didn't know that, will not the ministry of the Spirit be even more glorious? If the ministry that condemns men is glorious, how much more glorious is the ministry that brings righteousness? And if that what and if what was fading away came with glory, much greater is the glory of that which lasts. Therefore, since we have this hope, we are very bold. We are not like Moses who put the veil over his face to keep the Israelites from gazing at it while the radiance was fading away. It has not been removed because only the Christ, only in Christ is it taken away. When people are still concentrating mostly in the Old Testament, they're still wearing the veil. Even to this day, when Moses is read, a veil is covering their heart. But whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now, the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And this verse is where I was headed. And we who with unveiled faces reflects the Lord's glory are being transformed into his likeness with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. We're going from face to face to strength to strength to glory to glory. So it is us that have now this unveiled face because we believe in the New Testament. We believe in Jesus. And he said in Matthew 28, all power that has been given unto me, he turned it around and gave it to us.
These signs shall follow them that believe. It didn't say you have to be a pope. It didn't say you have to be a bishop. It didn't say you have to have all of these doctor degrees. Nothing wrong with them. But it says these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name you shall cast out devils. You shall speak with new tongues. If you drink in the deadly thing, it shall not hurt you. If you lay hands on the sick, they shall recover. He has turned around the, the, everything that was given to him and said, Here, you are my church. You are my children. Don't we look like our mother or my father? We should do. You should look like your mother and father. People tell me, man, you look so much like my daddy. I said, well, if I came out looking like Mr. Brown, there'd be a problem, wouldn't it? <laughs> my dear, Mr. Brown. Yeah, it's all cool. Unveil faces. Now, we're getting to where we were heading. God sustained his ministry in their wearing works. I learned something by studying this message, and I learned something that really touched me. And I'm going to share it with you. Often when you study a lot, preparing for somebody else, this is a teaching this for you, but you don't know it until you get in it. In the life-giving ministry of the New Covenant, which is vastly superior to the old Mosaic order, Paul is thought here to include his fellow workers have proven honest, faithful, and competent. The light of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the living word, has led Paul not only into the Christian life, but also into an unselfish ministry for the Corinthians and others. We have these treasures and earthen vessels, but the credit does not belong to him. Paul kept wrote what I'm about to read in this part of Second Corinthians. He didn't want people to think that he deserved the credit for all the work that he'd been doing. And he said, but the credit does not belong to him, perhaps to crush any temptation to pride and to keep the readers from misunderstanding. He confessed, we have this treasure of, of the glorious gospel in earthen vessels. And Paul sees a divine purpose in the fact that such an humble Mortal men and women that are preached the gospel should make it clear that all of the transcendent power superior to all difficulties and opposition which Christ's workers may meet belongs to God. We have these treasures and earthen vessels that the light of the knowledge of God may come to us. God is a treasure. Paul is humbly aware that it was contained in these earthen vessels a frail vessel of earth. Now remember, Paul was, was a very difficult person. He was dealing with a lot of difficulties when he wrote, we have these treasures in earthen vessels before we get to explaining why he was pressed. I believe he was talking about himself preaching this message. And I will give you background for that. Paul's physical disabilities were obvious to all. They had been flung into his teeth by the Judaizing opponents with the probable suggestion that they make clear marks of God's contempt. I've had some people that see me when I was walking on my walking cane in places and I wanted to pray for them. They looked at me with contempt. Now, in other words, you look like you need somebody to pray with you. And here it is. You've got to come over here and pray for me. Like, duh. And I'm thinking, whosoever received me, received God. Uh, but as I keep reading, and sometimes I felt a little funny about that. And then maybe they got a point. 
I went to shake the hands of Martin Luther King's father one time, and I had on the wrist brace. He drew his hand up. He said, I don't want to shake your hand. I don't want what you got. I was in Atlanta airport. Oh, boy, was I busted. Wow. Uh, he didn't want to hear nothing about it. I've been programming a computer 30 years. It was just that my appearance looked like I needed help. Paul went through some of the same things. Um, to make it clear, his bodily presence was weak. His speech of no account. He was subject to recurrent Malady. Malady is a male habitus. He was badly kept and he had a disease or illness. With, he, had, he was subject to recurrent malady, a thorn in the flesh. And we know about 2 Corinthians 12 and 7. Which harassed him and which remained despite of his urgent prayer that it might be removed. Paul sought God more than three times to remove this thorn in the flesh. And many people have talked about what is Paul's thorn in the flesh. What it is, as it is written. He said uh, uh, that Satan had caused his thorn to be in the flesh to prevent him from ministering the word. I don't know the exact reading of it I should have had in front of me, but I wasn't going talking about the, the flesh, what it actually means to a lot of people. But we're going to know something was aggravating Paul. What was causing his frustrations and disabilities? Number one, he was powerful in the Lord. When you're powerful and strong in the Lord, you must expect opposition. When you've got a strong anointing in your life, you go in places, you've got a mark on your back. Because if you're a threat to the kingdom of darkness with miracles and signs and wonders, he hates that. But you've got to remember, we're still a world overcomer. By the blood of the word, Lamb and the word of our testimony. Amen. When you got uh, uh, debate, doubt, discord, disagreement, fault finding, people come to you, do like some of y'all ladies. Throw up a hand. Adios amigo. <laughs> you don't even have to give a conversation to some people when they come at you with wickedness and mess. You be wise. Don't even get involved into getting down on people level. Walk away and smile. Paul. He was harassed, which was deeply remained despite his urgent prayer that it might be removed, just thrown in the flesh. No man, however strong in physique, could have come unbroken in health through all that he suffered. Shipwreck, stoning, beating, and rods. And he kept saying, we got a treasure in these earthen vessels. What he was trying to point out, I would keep reading what he was trying to point out. It is an impressive list. He had mental anxiety due to his concern for the welfare of the church. He had found it. And here it is because of the enemies that had gone into Second Corinthians right now had accused him of stealing. They questioned that he really have uh, the authority as an apostle to set the church up. They questioned his word. As you, can, you can't believe what he's really saying. And uh, Paul had a very difficult time. He was trying to hold the church together when the enemies had came in trying to destroy it. All because he said, I can't make, uh, I'm going to make a long visit to the Corinthians this year and not to visit. And they said, well, you can't trust his word. In spite of his difficulties, he kept going. Now, his weakness was not only physical. 
He had spiritual weakness. He had mental perplexities that, that, that are imperfect in, as it is in a lot of human natures. Paul finds its comfort in understanding the fact that the vessels which hold the treasure on earth, this clay could not have produced what an enshrine. Clearly, this transient power belonged to God. Many who have done outstanding work in the kingdom of God, this is what really blessed me, have had some crippling physical disabilities. Livingston of Africa was a crippled man, had a crippled arm. George Matheson, hymn writer, was a preacher and was blind. Others even had a defect in character which perplexed and wounded their friends. Y'all ever known any preachers like that? Handicaps and simulate hidden capacities. Handicaps can stipulate hidden capacities and give opportunities for a victory of the spirit. A crack in a piece of crystals cause a beam which shines, light shines through into the break that creates a color of a rainbow. So even us that may have a crack in our deficiencies of physical body, God said I can do major work through that vessel. Amen. A man of moderate stature, curly hair, and scanty, crooked legs. I didn't know Paul had crooked legs. Not one, but both. Maybe this was the thorn in his flesh. Blue eyes, long nose, knit eyebrows, and he was full of grace and piety in the Lord. And Dan Crawford, an African missionary, she sometimes have an appearance of a man, and Paul sometimes looked like an angel. We have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of power may be of God. We are crushed on every side. We are hurried, hurried, but we're not him in. The situation always suggests that a frustration from which God always provides a way out. Always provides a way out. There is no impasse on the roads to God's service. The way of obedience is never a dead end. The Bible is full of instances where the crossing of the Red Sea and of Jordan were impossible tasks, yet they were completed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. Perplexities may be of two kinds. There are practical perplexities, which our human wisdom is not enough. There are perplexities of faith. Our minds are not big enough to solve all the problems. We must rely and trust on God. And with the things Paul had to go through in his situation and his physical disabilities, his mental anxiety or concerning about the church and the devil trying to come in and trying to disrupt him while he was away, Paul had a lot to deal with. But yet, look what he wrote. Most of the New Testaments of the Bible. So we can't judge people by what they look like and and, and how they function and their disabilities. God said, I can make anything new. We are new creatures in Christ Jesus. And by faith, we are strengthened in our bodies. There are some mornings that um, I have are very difficult. But I keep going. I've been told I've got to have spinal diffusion again. 
I have a disc degenerating. I've been praying for a new disc L3 since last year. And because the third disc has degenerated from the spinal diffusion I had 12 years ago, now I have bone gnashing on my nervous, uh, my nerves, sciatic nerves, and all this kind of stuff. So there are days when it's extremely difficult. It's extremely delayed certain ways in the bed. I have to get up a certain way because of the disruption in my disc. I was told I needed surgery last October. I said, Lord, you make disc. You make bone. They made a disc and put them in my back 12 years ago. Why don't you create disc and straighten up my spinal and I won't have a problem. I can go. And I've been walking since last October without my walking stick. Stand on His Word. I said, I'm going to stand here until you heal me. I believe you. And you all have seen me on walkers and scooters, crutches, all of that. Fourteen years. But look at me now. God has a way of rebuilding us from the inside out. Never, never lose hope. Amen. Without God, to be without God is to be without hope. But faith gives us light to walk by. The promise of the perfect day. For we are in a mirror dimly, but face to face. Remember, we have unveiled faces. We have the anointing of God causing our faces to shine. Have anybody ever told you you look bright this morning? You look this way this morning? It is the glory of God that comes upon us. And, he, and I've had people to tell me, so I know He tells you all. You get up and happy and be full of joy. You've had a wonderful morning praising God. You just feel the glory of God. You just keep that joy because the joy of the Lord is your strength. Keep your joy. Have an expectation. Everything is going to work out every day. Because you're a worshiper and your faith is in Christ Jesus. You're more than a conqueror against anything. And then that's what His Word says. More than a conqueror. Do you believe it? Then stand on it. In the name of Jesus. To be without faith is to be without hope. We must keep faith. Faith gives us the light to walk by and the promise of a perfect day. Now, I know in part, and then we shall understand. But even as I have been fully understood, we're persecuted, but not forsaken. To be persecuted is to be singled out for personal attack. Have you ever, anybody ever felt like some things that just keep coming at you, coming at you, coming at you? Then maybe, maybe uh, Satan got a problem with you. Maybe he's disappointed because you prayed for somebody and they got healed. He's a little PO'd at you when these things happen. But we have to remember... Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. It's just that simple. I had a nephew coming with me. was telling me about all of these problems just yesterday, last night. Over and over and over. And I said, can I interrupt you? He said, yeah. I said, forget your past. Forget it. Stop dwelling on it. You're a new creature in Christ Jesus. Speak the word, my house shall not burn down again. The people will not shoot up my house. Pray for protection around your house. I said, you must watch your words. Hey, I'm guilty. You must watch your word. Whatsoever you desire when you pray, believe you have received it, and ye shall have it. Stop staying on that old, poor, broke, falling down road, because whatever comes out your mouth is going to be manifested. 
Remember, when two or more in agreement, if you send this around somebody else, it's going to be established. Keep saying, I am whole, I am healed, I am the righteousness of God in Christ. One day I'm going to walk again. One day I'm going to run again. I can still swim a little bit and I love to play in the water. Whatever you say, I kept saying, I'm going to walk again. Regardless of what happened to me being blown out of my position in, in Vietnam and major motorcycle crash and, and spinal disfusion and E. coli. And I could just go on and on and on. But God has brought me out of all of those things. And he has no respect of person. If you've got to limp a little bit, limp with a smile. And as Brother Marvin Tennant told me, because uh, when I was at Christian Assembly, usually uh, people with disabilities, I didn't see them at the altar. And when I was hurting real bad, I hopped down there with my cane. I've done it here and lay it on the side and get on my knees. And then after a while, others began to follow me. Why don't we take all our requests to the, to the altar and drop them? He knows everything about us. Worry is horrible. It's like trying to grow hair on your head and you can't. I read a sign one day in a country restaurant. And, you know, they have all these signs in the men's bathroom. You know, when you're handling your business, you've got to read all this stuff, right? God knows they're putting televisions in there now. That's crazy. But the sign says, worry is like paying on a debt that you don't owe. How ridiculous. Why would you send money out for something you don't owe? We can't even add a, a measure of height to our statue. For why? Worry is an offense and is offense to God. He said, he commanded that, um, worry not, be not confused, doubt not. Always know that there is a way of an escape. Remember, so as a man and woman think, and so is she. Always, there's going to be a way. There's always going to have an expectation. Have an expect money coming, checks in the mail in the name of Jesus. I think about the excellent surgery that I'm going to get. I shall come out greater and better in the name of Jesus. Speak the things that you desire. Help is being sent for me and my mother and my sister. Let the request be known. Our pastor Shell and his family come back home. Safety, they'll have a pretty tan. They got a big smile on their face. They're going to have a safety flight in the name of Jesus. It's going to be the vacation of the life. I pray right now. All of us are going to have a vacation of life. Father, send them processors. Send them money that they need to do it. Because not only is all the cattle on the hills are yours, my Father, all the wealth of silver and the gold. And you said the wealth of the wicked is laid up for the just. Father, we thank you for the transfer of it right now in our accounts. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Look for it. Let your request be known to God. The only reason I'm in this truck, it was a glory from God. It was an amazing thing. I was so upside down and I needed a vehicle and to get in the yard and four-wheel drive. And I just say, I'm just going to wait and look. I called the dealers because I know Ford was saying, you know what? We got rebates. I called one dealer, how much a rebate for 1000 I called another, how much is a rebate on the 2018 since y'all want to get rid of them? 6000 that's not enough. I called another dealer and say, we got, we got a $14,000 rebate on the 2018. And I say, really? Where are you located? I went up there. Look for it. It's easy. When you have an expectation and you know your hope and faith is in God, He'll make a way out of no way. In the name of Jesus. You've got to believe before you receive. 
You don't have to have faith just to believe. Just believe it before you have faith. Remember, our brains cannot understand everything. There are complexities in life that we must go through in Jesus' name. And in close to closing, I had a note here. When I looked up treasures in a different translation, you have this treasure in earthen vessels. NIV says you have uh, treasures, you have jars of clay instead of treasures in earthen vessels. You have treasures in jars of clay. It was customary to conceal treasures in clay jars which had little value or beauty and did not track attention to themselves and their precious content. Here they represented Paul's human frailty and worthlessness. All surpassing power is from God and not from us. The idea that absolute insufficiency of man reveals total sufficiencies of God pervades this letter. So in our absolute insufficiency, we are totally dependent upon God. God, you are a way maker. Isn't that what we're saying? You are a promise keeper. You are a light in darkness. In the name of Jesus. And I love what they were singing. It is your breath in our lungs. In the name of Jesus. Isaiah, Ephesians 46. Be still and know that God is still on our side. Praise the one who has saved me from death. Oh, these messages are keep coming out pouring. And we have to believe these things. We have to believe because faith is a believer. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Amen and amen and amen. And since I've gotten lost in the end, I'm at the end. Father, in the precious name of Jesus, you say we have these treasures. We treasure these earthen vessels. In these jars of clay, I pray for every individual in this church, every family, everyone who came to have an expectancy that you're going to work every situation out. There's no good thing you will hold from them who walk uprightly in the name of Jesus. You say, call upon me. I'll show you great and mighty works. Father, I decree and release great and mighty works right now. I release your promises. I release your gifts upon us in the name of Jesus. There is no situation too difficult that we, not, we cannot overcome in the name of Jesus. You said that the weapons of our warfare are not even carnal, but they mighty through God. Pulling down strongholds and casting down imagination and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. <laughs> we depend on you, God. We call upon you, God. You say there's no good thing you will withhold from them in the name of Jesus. You say, he that believeth in me and John's and the work that I do, shall we do also. Why don't we do greater works? Because it is not us doing the works. We're just jars of clay and holding this treasure. In the name of Jesus and God, because we believe in you, we release you right now to have our body, our mind, and our souls all belong to you. We belong to you, God. We are your children. You see our needs. You see our difficulties. You see our lack in substance sometimes. But our substance shall be increased because you're sending wealth and glory 
And the promises we have here that we are greater. Greater is He that is in you than he that is in the world. I bind you sickness and send you to the pit of hell. I bind diseases and every disease and infirmity that come upon us in the name of Jesus. You have no authority to come into this place. You have no authority to dwell in no vessels in the name of Jesus. I'm feeling better as I'm walking in the name of Jesus. Anybody that want a special prayer right now, I pray that you come. Let your anointing God do the glory. Let your anointing saturate this place right now that we feel your presence. And your help. You said, greater Father, greater Father. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. The weapons of our warfare are just mighty through you, God. In the name of Jesus. You said, if we call upon you, you'll show us great and mighty work. We dwell in you, God. We believe in you, Father. In the name of Jesus. Father, I pray that you are mind-regulating God in every situation that we have. We bring to you right now, God. Every concern for family, every concern for school and for education. Father, we pray right now for protection of our nation. I pray I send righteousness and peace and mercy to our capital. Mercy and peace and righteousness to our Senate, to our House of Representatives, to our government. Father, let your knowledge be sent to our military leaders. Let our leader, Father, draw nigh and near righteousness and understanding. Let our resources come together with complete understanding and making major decisions that's affecting every American in the name of Jesus. Father, we're walking in dangerous times down here on earth and we know that your time is near, Father. We see the places getting in order. We see the elements are moving in the military. Wars and rumors of wars. But look up. Look up. Our Redeemer's on the way. Our help cometh from the Lord. We can't stay here, God. But we got hope and we got faith. And we got peace in our heart, believing, oh God, that everything is worked together for your good. Everything is working together for your good. And Father, the earth is still the Lord's and the fullness of it. So you have all domain, all power, all glory is still in your charge. And we trust you, Father. We bless your holy name. So we won't have fear of anything. And we thank you, O God, that you, we are quick to forgive. We're quick to acknowledge you that you fill our lives and fill our lungs as we go, Father. Because we're getting ready to go to a greater place. A greater place not prepared with hands in Jesus' name. And Father, you said in 1 Corinthians 6, 2, that the, that the saints will be able to judge angels. Mother, Father, look what you've done for us. You put in a position to be ready to come back into your in the millennium reign, God. We're just in position and being trained to rule again in the Jesus' name. So we thank you for the knowledge and the wisdom and the healing and the understanding. We thank you, O oh God, for making the way out of no way, Father. You said, I call upon you. Show us great and mighty name. I decree peace right now to every mind. Peace, love, kindness, sincerity. Let your glory light upon us. Let your glory saturate us. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. If anyone does not know Christ, with your eyes closed, slip up your hand so you can come and be surrounded with the Shekinah glory so that your soul shall be saved. So your name, know your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. If you don't have the security and assurance that your name is written, I need you to raise a hand if you need to be saved, if you need salvation. Now, not to embarrass anybody. Time is short. 
But glory is on its way. The best is yet to come. In the name of Jesus. And Father, I pray that you, Holy Spirit, seal this word on the church in joy and happiness and peace. We thank you, Father, for being our Lord, our God. We thank you for being our refuge and our fortress in high places. We thank you for being a shelter of God in a place of storms. In the name of Jesus. No good thing will you withhold from them to love you. I ask you, brothers and sisters, that we stand, love on somebody right now before you go. Love on them and hug on them in the name of Jesus, that you may be glorified in the Father. In the precious name of Jesus, amen and amen. Thank you. You may be dismissed.